Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. So, if you're like me, you have developed a bit of a coffee habit over the last few years or became more of a habitual coffee drinker. Less than a decade ago, I didn't drink the stuff at all. And now it's definitely harder to give that up than it was probably alcohol. So it's something I was very fascinated to know a little bit more about, not only about how it's made and the process of making coffee, but behind the business of coffee making. And I was delighted to connect in with the owner of Badger and Dodo Coffee Roasters, Brock Lewin. He's an Australian guy living in Cork. And we connected last week in the plush surrounds of the Photo Island Hotel lobby, hence the background noise that you'll hear. Really excited to share this one with you guys. I am actually keeping the intros short because I did a poll during the week on Twitter just for general feedback on intros for podcasts in general. And the majority of folks wanted to keep it relatively short under a minute or thereabouts so i'm going to try and do that for some of these it will probably mean i do some more solo shows of just me rambling and talking about stuff that's going on things that i'm focusing on content that i'm trying to develop in the areas of coaching and wellness of all types so maybe watch out for those solo shows as an alternative to the longer intros last check out if you haven't already check out last week's episode with william pullen very interesting guy lots of good feedback on that he sprung a few questions on me during it as well which i wasn't prepared for and even talked about coffee in that one as well so check it out keep listening keep sharing keep enjoying and i'm sure you're going to enjoy this one with brock lewin maybe even have a cup of coffee with it just thought of that there so i threw it in okay good luck and enjoy hey folks welcome to another episode of one percent better the podcast where as the name might suggest i uh hopefully share stories from from my guests and help you guys improve in in one percent increments or even more and this one is on a topic that i'm very passionate about it's coffee and it's with uh, a very well-known gentleman from from the the cork region brock lewin who is the founder owner you can give me the right term for for the the coffee brand badger and dodo welcome thank you Thank you, Rob. Thanks for doing this. I know we said we'd do it for a while, and we eventually got round to it. So let's talk a little bit about you, or you talk a little bit about yourself, Brock. Let me know your background, where you come from, and maybe what brought you to to Cork. Okay. Okay, Rob. Um, thanks for having me along. Well, yeah, I guess uh, my story... Oh. I started out. I, I, look, I'll go. I guess I'll go right back. I, I, my first degree was accountancy, and uh, you know, three years into that, I was told I, I should look for another job. Right. <laughs> this is after I've done part of my professional year, and uh, so I decided to go back to university and do a second degree. And um, it was during that second degree there that. You know, working to fund myself through uni, I started work as a barista in Sydney, and that was early nineties. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that finished that degree, worked a little bit, travelled a bit, and ended up in Ireland, um, two thousand, where I met my now wife. We spent three years here, well, in Dublin, and then uh, at, at that point there, I was very 
cognizant that coffee in Ireland wasn't quite what it was in Australia. Actually, really not at all. Um, and in Australia, just on that, fascinated about how coffee explodes in different parts of the world. Yeah. In, that was early 90s. You said your, your, your first shot of coffee. Was it a big thing in, in Australia at that time? Can, can it, had it been always that popular there or? yeah yeah the evolution of coffee in australia there's a it's it's credited with a russian guy originally but really the biggest influence would have been post-world war ii italians mm. and what we call first wave coffee uh, first wave coffee is like the italian spanish french um and 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 and, and their blends of coffee which would contain Robusta and so we what we saw after World War II was Italians come out and with a lot of immigration what people bring is food it's the easiest thing for them to pick up and do and certainly coffee was a big part of Italian culture so Australians picked that up and ran with it mm. uh, particularly in Melbourne and so that fast forward then on another 40 50 years into the 1990s in Australia um, coffee has evolved quite a bit um, milk is very different in Australia. It's much like Irish milk, you right. know, good quality milk. And um, you know, we evolved to make our own standard of drinks, things like the flat white and the short black. The short black is an espresso or a long black is Americano, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. As much as a latte, a flat white is a latte, they're not. There's differences, but... You know, we evolved our own uh, way of doing things, and and funny enough, the same sort of thing happened on West Coast US and New Zealand. Uh, you know, these countries evolved in much the same way to produce very similar beverages, um, but different to how it was in Italy and how it remained in mainland Europe for still today. You know, um, you know, so 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 yeah that. Things were different then, and things have changed a lot in the last 20 years that I've been, 25 years now, <laughs> that I've been in coffee, and they still continue to develop. Um, even since I've come to Ireland 10 years ago, things have developed a lot. Mm. Standards are refined. They just keep refining. And you wonder how much more things can refine, but they do. Mm. There's always progress. But that's it, like... You mentioned cappuccinos and lattes. I presume they're around for for decades. But the idea of a flat white is something maybe relatively new in Ireland. Was a was a flat white a thing in in Australia back in the nineties, or was it a different term? Or yeah, no, the, well, the flat white was something that was in Australia, all right for sure. In the in the eighties, nineties, we'll probably fight with the Kiwis over who invented that one as well. Um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, certainly the flat white was very much unheard of here um, when I came and I'd say I really don't know who would have been doing flat whites at that point maybe a guy called Carl Purdy a coffee angel in Dublin um, but relatively no one really and certainly for years afterwards people were getting the flat white mix up with a white Americano a white Americano being an Americano with milk added to it mm. is a huge difference. Um, and people describing a flat white as like a, a latte with no foam, the reference to flat being there being no foam, which, again, is wrong. Probably McDonald's say it best. It's like a latte, only shorter and stronger. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. <laughs> right, right. No, it's fascinating. And I, this is, I guess, 
as we go through this I'll probably throw in other questions around coffee that you can help me uh, understand things a little bit more but but when you had that first shot and you kind of saw what, was there a kind of a, a passion then straight away that you, you really enjoyed coffee you wanted to, to know more about it well in the early 90s when I was making the coffee it wasn't easy for me to get at that time an education about how to make a proper coffee wasn't good um then I was in, in in Newtown in Sydney and there started popping up lovely little cafes all along the place there. Uh, a couple of brands that would be well known now, uh, Campos and Toby's Estate, um, they popped up. And, and, and certainly getting in there, that's where a real passion for me started, was, was seeing this product that was refined and better and better and there being so much variation in, in the one product, you know. I, so, yeah, the, the passion for me struck in there. And I guess I went back to Melbourne there in 2003. And at that point, I'd, be, I'd been working as a barman in Ireland, uh, in, in Dublin from 2000 to 2003. Went back to Melbourne 2003 with my now wife. And started working in the pub industry again. I managed a pub there. And I was like, oh... I don't think this is what I want to be doing. But the pub that I was running was in a very heavy cafe area of Melbourne. And the, the coffee trade during the daytime was a vital part for it. So that's, that's where I really honed in at that point there. And I realised you know, that we were going to move back to Ireland. And that's just when I just threw everything I had at, at learning about baristing and roasting and... Um, and I learned to roast then in Melbourne around about is it 2007, and then we were back here in 2008. Okay. Uh, 2008, I wasn't sure if I was going to open a cafe or roast, mm. um, but there were still no micro roasters in Ireland at that time doing proper speciality coffee. So that's when I was like, right, let's let's get this going. Mm. Um, Timed in well with Ireland's first and to this date only world barista champion, uh, Stephen Morrissey. He won that year in 2008. Mm. And um, for me, that was a real signal. Wow, Ireland is ready for this. So it was very fortunate um, that that, that, uh, Ireland was there. But as my dad always says... Luck is when preparation meets opportunity, mm. and I was prepared and um, put my money into a roaster. Um, and, and, and lucky enough, Dodo, the father-in-law, had uh, some old chicken sheds down the back there, which he wasn't using anymore. So they became the roastery. And the fa- uh, the brother-in-law, who was into property development at the time, said to me, "Geez, you're taking a bit of a risk with that roaster there." Right. And <laughs> How much was the roaster to, to invest in that? At that stage, it was like 15 grand for the, okay. the small one that I bought. Right. Uh, so it was a huge investment, really. You know, you'd spend more on setting up a cafe for sure, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, I guess from there, you know, it was literally route to market via farmers markets. Right. That's how it started out. Farmers markets, mm. yeah. Big time there. The one in Fomoy. And that allowed me to refine my product a lot and get used to the roasting process and apply, reapply what I'd learnt in Melbourne. Um, Did you have to do an apprenticeship to become a, 
a roaster in, in Melbourne? How did you learn? Yeah, a lot of people ask me, how do you become a roaster? Mm. <clears throat> um, and certainly at that point in time, there, the resources available on the internet was zero. Right. There was n- really very, very little there. Um, then, so, so I just worked with a roaster in Melbourne. Okay. I was fortunate enough to get in with a guy called Bruno Maelo, um, and he had he was he's like a contract roaster, if you like. He he was Italian, um, a bit of a Robert De Niro character, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. So I guess I learned to roast with him. Okay. Yeah, it was just I probably only spent a couple of weeks at it. You wow. know, okay. but uh, so then you know a lot of it after that was trial and error on my own behalf. You know, in back in uh, in Fomoy when I eventually set up there, I, I was a judge for the Specialty Coffee Association as well for the first few years, um, two thousand nine, ten, eleven. I think I was involved as as a judge. Um, I judged Colin Harmon, uh, who people might know as Three FE, who who went on to be Ireland's barista champion I think four for four years and always compete uh, always landing within the top three or four in the world uh, you know Collins blazed a, a, a fantastic trail for coffee in Ireland so um, so yeah it was, it was very interesting to follow his his route as well and there's a few characters around alright who who in those days, in those days, became pretty, um, let's say, influential in the Irish coffee scene. They're still around, um, yeah. And, the, and that's the Specialty Coffee Association there, okay. and the Brewster Championships. They're still held every year. And right. uh, actually, I think we're getting involved with the Cork Aeropress Championships here this year. They've sort of branched out. There's now there's the Brewster Championships, the Latte Art Championships. They're Cupping and the Aeropress. Uh, and of course, we've just seen Daniel Horbett uh, there two weeks ago in Berlin become the World Cup Taster Champion. Okay. So Ireland well, has another champion. So well, that's. Just explain that. Yeah. Just for those that aren't ingrained, because I saw, I saw it on your Twitter feed actually, that, 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 um, yeah. that world champion. So. Oh look, it's 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 pretty fierce, um, to be honest. You know, so basically, you're given, I think it's eight coffees there to choose, um, in sets of three, okay. and so basically, you're tasting your way through twenty four coffees. In, so in each set of three, you have to distinguish which one is the odd one out, wow. and you do that eight times. And the person who gets the most right in the quickest amount of time wins. Um, but there can be some very subtle differences between the coffees. Wow. And um, and I've I've heard a few things about Daniel's training. All right, and um, wow, you know he deserved that. He really did. You know, uh, training your palate. First of all, have a coffee palate. It's easy to taste the difference between. Various beers and various wines is very easy, right. but when it comes to coffee, it is very hard. It's very hard to taste the difference. You really have to have a trained palate, and I'm not talking taste this and tell me what country it's from. I'm just saying to taste the difference between, say, um, two different washed Ethiopians, or, um, for instance, you know, um, I, I think it's 
think it's very hard. So, yeah, fair juice to Daniel, you know. Very good. Maybe a, another future guest to, to go deep dive into uh, sure. <laughs> that area. So just for folks that might know the story around the name, uh, just maybe explain that because I know we were talking off before we started recording and it's one of those things where you think people might know, but maybe just explain the story. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I first re- registered the company as uh, Brock's Beans. Uh, and I got a lot of laughs from a lot of people. <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, that's actually uh, probably not the best. There could one. be multiple meanings to that one. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Which so. isn't a bad thing, I suppose. People remember that as well, like you know. So yeah. <laughs> and uh, but, well, yeah. It's a and, and the father-in-law is Dave Cliff um, from outside of Fomoy there, and he comes from a large family and. When he was a young boy, one of his brothers couldn't say his name, Dave, and called him Dodo. So he, his nickname as a young child was Dodo. And people from around, say, Capaquin, Lismore, Dungarvan might know him as Dodo. And um, I like the sound of it. And Brock, my own name, B-R-O, C, is Irish for badger. Um, my own name, B-R-O-C-K, like the, the English put the K on the end of it means badger as well so whilst Dodo has no kind of ownership in the company he's very much a part of the company in the sense that uh, well, I'm, I've been using his land and uh, his his chicken sheds and we're eventually now able to pay him a bit of rent which is good nice <laughs> but he, he he wanders around every day comes down for his uh, he's he's well and truly converted from his teas he's drinking his lattes and he comes down every every lunchtime and just makes sure the lads take their breaks and i don't work them too hard and um he's uh he's kind of like a macgyver around the place right. you know, he's, he just fixes random he just fixes stuff, stuff. Like, yeah. it might need fixing but he'll fix it anyway okay always good to have somebody like that in, in, oh, in there yeah. so so how quickly did you change from Brock's beans to oh, in a matter of weeks okay in a matter so you of hadn't weeks. started trading really at that no okay. no no i i think i've just been playing around with it so um yeah so it's been badger and dodo it's actually badger and dodo boutique coffee roasters um, and it's, people have asked me before, what, what does, where does boutique come into it? And uh, I mean, boutique isn't a reference to any particular grade or quality of coffee. It was just a, a name that I threw in there to give the idea that we are, we have a lot of one-off coffees, mm. uh, like you would in say like a woman's clothing boutique. Mm-hmm. Um, so high-end one-off coffees, and that's that's. Whilst we have our mainstay blends of coffee, black water, jam jar, we also have one-off seasonal coffees that we bring in, and we've always done that. So we we buy the freshest, most seasonal coffee. Um, we might have one from Guatemala. At the moment, we've got one from Guatemala. We're finishing off one from Rwanda. Um, we've got others from Guatemala actually landed there yesterday as well. We might look at Costa Ricans, Hondurans as they come to crop, mm. and we bring them in, and we bring a pallet in, and we'll sell that for as long as that pallet lasts. It, it could be two, two months. It could be four months. Okay. But the emphasis being on variety and freshness. Mm-hmm. So the name definitely 
is memorable, right? So I know I'm talking to a lot of people just setting up their organization, companies, getting the name right can take a long time till it feeds right. The branding, I suppose, the, the logo and how all that's packaging, I think that really stands out. Um, I know maybe one of your specialty brands last year, the, I remember buying it, and it had the, the multicolored kind of um, the, the logo on it. The yes. tree was in color. It was very standout. So yeah. that, that must be very important. How, how did you... Or how what was the process of working through and getting to somebody to, to really help emphasize it? Yeah, that that's a it's it's been a very interesting journey. Um, my wife went to National College of Art and Design (NCAD) up in Dublin, mm. and so she very early on got involved with that. Now there is a famous painting um, of a battle between the Turkish in Vienna I believe it was and uh, the Turkish and the Italians in Vienna and the Turks left behind some coffee and to signify what had happened there was a there was a picture of a coffee tree in this battle scene um, and of course coffee wouldn't grow there normally and and that tree has actually been used like a lot of times in the uh, in the coffee world, I think the Specialty Coffee Association even has the a, 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 a version of that. So we took that um, particular tree and we modified it um, enough so that we're not copyright infringing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, took a branch off it or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in retrospect, it's kind of not a very um, reproducible thing to do but um, and, and not very unique everyone so many people have some part of the coffee tree or being involved in their name but look that's what we did hmm. and, and, and and we ran with that my wife did a great job um, in choosing the colours well the, I guess the two of us chose the colours and, and, and the whole setup of it um, you know the, the black and the orange have been our our colours all the way through but then last year it was our 10 year anniversary as a company and we decided look it was time to freshen things up a bit and um, so we brought in Piquant um, uh, their designers based in Limerick uh, to help us with that and so they worked with us on the rebranding and we went with this um, tree with lots of different colours uh, it was just a, a, a freshen up, you know, a cleaning up. You know, the black and orange is very heavy as a colour, mm. and we wanted to 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 lighten it up. Um, the the colours and the brightness are, reflect the quality of the coffee that we we we, we roast. So, light, clean uh, cup, uh, lots of various fruity flavours, and that's that's all supposed to be signified by the various colours of the leaves. Um, you know, of course, we still do some lovely rich coffees as well, but um, that was the, the kind of thought process behind that. And so there was a lot of rebranding. We had to bring out all compostable cups, our beautiful old black cups with the bronze or the, the, the copper tree emblem on it. They were iconic at the time. They really were. And there was a lot of companies that followed suit with that kind of branding. Muley's would, would, would be one. Um, and... Uh, and we worked very well with Cup Print and Ennis. Um, they were something of iconic cups, and it was kind of sad to let them go. But you know, the the compost movement was here, mm-hmm. and whilst our cups were ninety nine percent recyclable, that one percent stopped them. And also, you know, people would commit that, that that sin and put a cup of takeaway coffee in the microwave to reheat it. 
and not think about the foil tree on the front and mm. it would burn. Right, right. Burn, yeah, it would burn the cup. <laughs> so. Very good. So you were saying you started out with the, the farmer's markets as your kind of initial yeah. uh, ability to trade. Was there a point in those early months and years where things kind of really started to take off? I'm always interested. It's like a, like a turning point or a breakthrough moment. Yeah. Um, in, in it, it was... I mean, whilst the farmer's market helped, um, they were more like a training ground for me to mm. refine my product. Like some roasters might have a shop as such, um, but for me, it was the the markets. I think perhaps where I I really did make um, my name was in Dublin through being a judge at the Brewster Championships. People learnt that I was a roaster, and there were a few cafes that jumped on board with me in Dublin who knew that there was something in the coffee movement, mm-hmm. and I was I, I definitely had my customer base in Dublin first before anywhere else right and um, I mean to, to this point now I've, we've still got some 70 wholesale accounts in Dublin um, and I've got a, an account manager up there okay. so Aaron, Aaron came on board with me there say maybe five years ago now um, so that meant for the first five years I was doing a lot of driving up and down to Dublin and, uh, you know, it, it's very hard to service accounts from, from Cork. Uh, so Dublin's, Dublin's a great market for us and, um, you know, Aaron's doing a great job for us up there. And really, he's not, he's not a salesman, he's, he's an account manager. So he's there just to look after the accounts and to provide them a level of support. Um, be a barista training or their grinders broken down or they've run out of coffee or whatever it is you know he's there for them okay when you set up 10 years ago or 11 years ago 2008 we were in the start of our downturn the, the depression and whatever we want to call it i don't know depression is probably too deep of a word but the recession um was it difficult to get a business started up even and i suppose had you Looking back, what were your core skills you used to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, good question. Uh, a lot of people thought I was crazy. As I mentioned before, my brother-in-law, who was into property development at the time, he was like, well, you know, things are really slowing down. You're taking a bit of a risk. I, I, and I guess I just did what I did. You know, I was passionate about what I was doing, and that that's what drove me more than anything. Uh, and I guess, you know, knowing that I've got a fresh start, I guess also making a fresh start from Australia coming over here. I, I, I had nothing to tie me down. I didn't have baggage as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in, in some respects, that might be seen as a bit of a disadvantage because I don't know who or what's where or how things operate. But in another respect, I was totally free to just drive drive into it and... And I didn't do any door stop, door stepping as such, you know. So mm. I think really the the Barista Championships was probably the, the 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 best, and that was a voluntary thing that I did. That was probably the the thing that that got me in there the most, you know. Um, I wasn't really aware of the recession um, other than what you'd hear in in the post uh, in the news. Mm. Um, and, and it turned out that that good coffee was recession proof. Yeah. What was often said was that people would 
not want to spend their money on a bad cup or that people wouldn't have much money for luxury goods anymore. But if they were going to spend their few pennies a day, it would be on a good cup of coffee. Mm. And, and, it, and, and it was on that emphasis of a good cup. And, you know, we had some core Dublin City customers um, who were putting out properly made cups of coffee. That, and that's, that's, that's basically how that worked for us. You know? mm. And it, it, I'm always fascinated around that time when, you know, the Celtic Tiger died off and property hit, hit the wall. The, the rise of maybe wellness and exercise seems to, to kind of take off more. And there's kind of almost a correlation with, with coffee as well, isn't there? You know, um, and so I think things started probably to explode in the coffee world not too long after that. And maybe it's the move more from alcohol to, to, to another <laughs> some stimulant that uh, doesn't give you a hangover. So just fascinated to see if there's kind of a link there and maybe that was the, the good time to go in when when other things were moving the other direction yeah i'd i'd, I'd say so you know um I think people needed it became increasingly more aware i i think two things that have happened i guess is that people come back from australia and foreign cities and they realize oh wow why can't we do coffee here yeah. and, and, and to open up your own coffee your own cafe it's not a huge there aren't huge barriers hmm. To entry, um, and, and particularly in the downturn, you know, a lot of venues became available mm-hmm. uh, to open up cafes. Um, yeah, so I think I, I think that became I, I think that became a big part of it there, right. bringing that back from, and, and there, there being very low barriers to entry to opening up a cafe as such. Mm. And just picking up on what you said earlier, coming in fresh start. A lot of the time, within coaching and kind of talking to people that want to do stuff, they have limiting beliefs that just say, I can't do this because it just sounded like you had no real limiting beliefs and you had that freedom, which which is great, I suppose, just kind of wild abandon. On the flip side of that, going in as an entrepreneur, setting up your own company, what, I probably had to steep learning curve and get up to speed on multiple different areas of the business. What are the ones that maybe stand out that you said, geez, if I had known this, at the start, I would have been in much better, better shape. Anything come to mind? Yeah, I, 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 I had, I took a bit of coaching early on, and I think this would apply to anybody that's in small, you know, is, is in a small startup. Is learning when to delegate. I was doing too much myself, um, and I really did run myself into the ground quite a bit, um, and I should have brought on help more help earlier on um, and I'll just I'll never forget the, the business coach saying to me you need to delegate says, what are you doing yeah, you, you know bring in people you can trust um, so I, I wish I'd done that a bit earlier on and perhaps also focus more on the wholesale because the the markets were good but there was I was doing too many of them I should have focused more on the on the wholesale side of things. Now, you know, we've still done quite we've still done very well on the wholesale side of things. Um, the I think it was about twenty thirteen. I had three vans on the road doing farmers markets between Cork and Waterford, and at the end of the year, I just was like, "This is ridiculous." There's I spent all this time. Um, doing these markets and 
uh, I, I, I looked at the figures and mm. I looked at the real costs and costs of my time, and I actually lost money on, on a good few of them. Right. Um, you, you sort of see the cash and you think it's great, or and it's also great to get out and, and push your product around as well. But um, yeah, valuing your own time. That, that is the hardest thing to do, I think, as an entrepreneur because you think, oh, I'll just do this, I'll just do that. Um, and you make excuses for you doing it. But really, there's a certain amount of work that you need to push beneath you or, or to delegate to, to beneath you. It's not a good word to, to delegate to somebody else mm. um, so that you can get on top of your business and drive it in a direction that you want to take it. And that is something that I, I constantly have to remind myself of. But still, I do enjoy some of the stuff. Like we got a container of coffee delivered in last year, and I've had uh, I've had I've had a, I've had a few health issues over the last years, just with, with with legs and hips and stuff getting replaced. And so when that container of coffee came in, I wanted to muck in with the lads and unload that ourselves which we did you know 70 60 70 kilos of green beans per bag and anywhere from 280 to 325 of them in a container it's it's heavy work you know throwing them onto pallets and strapping the pallets but still you, you i think it's important to be involved at the ground level of the business every now and then i still do go and work at the markets myself you know right so uh I guess it's also a bit of a luxury being an entrepreneur too. You can decide at what level you want to be involved. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, limiting. You, you, you've got, to, I guess, having a clear vision on how much of a business you want to have. I, I, I do not want to be a big Java Republic or yeah. a Bewley's or I, I don't want to be a massive company because I think the... It, things just get complicated. Too many people, uh, uh, and, and too much communication, too much infrastructure within a company, kind of gets self-defeating. Mm-hmm. I like it being small. I like knowing what coffees that we're, and, and the cup profiles of our various coffees. I like knowing the individual workers we have and things that go on in their lives. And I, I, I like things being at that level. And I think that with small businesses, there is a level. As a small business operator, you have to sort of know where your limits are. And as such, we say no to the occasional big big um, contract. Uh, the, the Food Academy with Lidl. Wow. Or Lidl or Aldi was offering €100,000. We turned that down as an invitation. It was just going to be a step too far for us as a company. Okay didn't want to commit to that level and just on that kind of planning forward how far do you plan forward within within the business and do you looking back like my background is project management so it would be kind of naturally a planner be it a year two years three years what's your your take on that and setting goals for the company yeah i at the moment uh this year i was looking six months to a year um you know, a significant thing for us this year is bringing in um, a, a, another account manager for Munster Region, and this is me delegating, stepping back. Now, I, my roaster and my technician would look after our current customers in the Munster Region. They really have their own duties to do, 
um, and it is a bit of a, 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 an expense for us. Um, but I'm bringing in uh, Jacob, who is uh, operations manager for Toby's Estate in New York, mm-hmm. New York City. He's been six cafes over there, mm-hmm. so he's coming to join us in a month. Um, But I've been talking to him for the last nine months um, about his role and about his transition and his move over here. here. Um, And that's that's a significant thing for us. We did a lot last year as well. So I think really at this stage, bringing him in and settling him in, we've always got projects on the roll as well. Um, One or two other projects that we've got um, happening down the track there, which I'm not really able to talk about now, but... um, at this stage, really, with us, we're just rolling uh, on a yearly basis, really. You know, not not any three-year kind of plans. Okay, cool. You did mention, I think you saw it on, on Twitter as well, that you're looking to get some distribution to the US. So that's kind of another big adventure, I'd imagine. Yeah, that, that, that was something that sought us out. Okay. You know, like, I, we, we are... like. We, in the evolution of our company life cycle, we are a mature company. We are set up with everything that we really need at the roastery. We don't want to become larger. We don't have much grand ambitions to expand. So, you know, I guess rolling year in, year out is 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 very comfortable with us. Um, so, this with the US is yeah, it's um, it's a company called Modrec, the um, Modern Recreation. They sought us out, and this is last year. They they were offering a subscription service um, in the US, and we were, I don't know, I think we were number 13. Now, they've gone through, I think they did 18 in total. Right. Um, gee, we were extremely honoured to be up there amongst some of the best coffee roasters in the world. Um, so we're... We're um, one of the companies that are going to launch with them in their new online, um, their new online distribution service. So they'll be basically distributing uh, smaller micro roasters like ourselves from around the world into the US market, mm. and we believe that's going to happen in the next month or two. Okay. So there's 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 just a holding site there for any of the US customers. They go in and they register. Their, their interest and uh, it's, it's, it's amazing I look back over the years at how many people have come and had our coffee at, a, lot of, a lot of US tourists go down to Dingle right. <laughs> and they're now roasting their own they're being in Dingle but um, geez the amount of American tourists that would go back to the States long after the tourist dollar has been spent here continue spending their tourist dollar from the US mm. and be wanting our coffee to be sent over to them in the US. Mm. The US is a huge market. It's just yeah. incredible how long, how how big that is. Really. Yeah. Half the people that listen to this podcast are in the US, so you might get another couple of potential customers. Oh, there, right. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, I can't give you the website, but it's on our... It's, I think it's on our Twitter feed. I'll have it in the links on the show notes oh, okay, anyway, so great. definitely we'll put that in. Um, looking back, is there... I like this, asking this one around. Biggest mistake you might have made over the last decade or so and what you've taken a lot from yeah I we I missed the opportunity to um, pick up my own cafe outlet in in Cork right um, 
you know, there was a lot of property going cheap in Cork during we, while we were setting up, and I missed that opportunity. I set up in Galway, um, that cafe in Galway, which is still there at the moment for how long, I'm not sure, um, but uh, it's operating fine and doing well, but um, we may have sold that. Um, to an operator who will still represent us very well mm-hmm. um, but I, I never got my own cafe going in Cork right. and I just missed so many opportunities there really I think that's and, and while I was, it's, it's a missed opportunity is that a mistake it's a mistake to not have focused on our own home market here in Cork because I mean whilst we do the markets I always saw the markets you know we do the Wilton market on Tuesdays Douglas on Saturdays and Middleton on Saturdays as well. You know, so our coffee is there and available, but having my own cafe would have really helped concrete our brand as one of the main coffee brands in Cork. I still think there's a lot of people in Cork who would know the likes of, say, some of the cafes in town more than us, Mm. you know. Mm. People who aren't roasters like Three Fools... Or, or filter, um, or bookshelf. You know, they all do great coffee, but they're not coffee roasters, mm. and they would be known more than us. Mm-hmm. You know, I would think, you know, just simply because they have their own cafe in in, in great locations. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, you, yeah. you can't be. I, I look back at those years and I say, what was I doing? You know. But really, I was very busy expanding and, and dealing with our wholesale accounts. And, and, um, and, and really, that's where you just come back to remind yourself, well, what is our core business? We are coffee roasters in the wholesale sector. Yeah. And, and that's fine, really. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So it's not really a mistake so much as a missed opportunity. Yeah. I, like you're going to have these, I'd imagine, in any business as you kind of look back on what could have been but might not have panned out to you know to whatever expectation you've set and as you said the core business um sometimes might be as glamorous or as fun as you would like it to be potentially but it's it is what it is and it's coming to to accept that in lots of ways i suppose you know yeah 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 and we'll get there one day anybody who's got a cafe in cork (laughs) and you don't like your business Give me a call. Yeah, yeah, you heard it here first. Um, it's just a couple of quick ones before we, we wrap up. It would be remiss of me not to ask, how much coffee do you drink yourself? Are you a fan of coffee? Yeah, uh, well, that can, it very much depends on the day of the week. If I'm out at the roastery and Elio and I are cupping our way through, you know, 20 samples of coffee or whatever, there can be a lot of coffee done. But generally speaking... On a daily basis, two or three, you know, three, three would be a lot. But it's, and it's, I'm not talking twelve ounce cups. I'm just talking six ounce flat whites, maybe, yeah. you know, or, or maybe a filter brew as well. So two to three cups. So that's how you take it. You wouldn't be a, a latte or a cappuccino guy or any of that sort of stuff. Too much, too much uh, milk. Less, less is more for sure. Right. It's one of those things about third wave coffee. Mm. which is where we are now. If, if, if say, the original Spanish-Italians were first wave, second wave was insomnia, Starbucks, then third wave were the small mocha roasters like ourselves, and less is more. So, yeah, six-ounce 
or an eight ounce flat white at the most. So less volume. Less volume. Still yeah. same amount of like more or less the same amount of espresso, just less milk. Yeah. Okay. I don't get the sixteen ounce, twenty ounce yeah. cups. Those cups that you got they've got handles on either side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I just I, I can't fathom that myself. Yeah, yeah. Definitely when I drink the larger ones uh, I know from um from how, how it runs right through as well, that doesn't uh, doesn't help just visiting the bathroom multiple times every morning so um won't go there work-life balance now so you know you're running yourself into the ground you said a few years ago have you got more of a balance going on now how do you maintain and manage that yeah um yeah i guess having the the farmer's markets at the weekends you know you'd, you'd work all week and then you do the farmer's market on a saturday so really you're working six days a week um if if you then were unable to if, you know, if you didn't do anything on the Sunday, um, I guess you know we've got now three three daughters under seven, so that will slow you down. Um, and I had my hip and knee replaced as well. Um, that was a skiing accident in '93, oh and it was just an ACL injury in my right knee, and all the pulling and lugging, see the scar there, coffee yeah. around, the, you know the the, the 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 trailers pulling them around. Standing around on hard ground on farmers' markets, roastery floor, carrying barrels of coffee around, uh, that took its toll. So it's kind of, I guess, a good thing um, because it did force me then to get back into physio. So now I do physio twice or bit of what do you call it, strengthening and conditioning twice a week, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's pretty religious for me. Very good. So yeah, that's um, and I bought a little rib as well, you know. So. get out in that every now and then and I, I, I bought a cool car as well so it's a good excuse to go for a bit of a burn around town. <laughs> a burn indeed um, just a couple more what how do you stay motivated what what do you what what are the, the things that keeps driving you to, to move it's forward it's essential to go abroad it's it's always been part of my mantra you know I and I realised that I, I learnt a lot from the Australian coffee industry and I brought that to Ireland um so continuing on with that um what 2015 had a massive trip down the west coast us um and every year going off to last year we were off in brazil and colombia tracking up mountains and meeting farmers um learning about things that they're doing there there's a lot of there are a lot of things in the coffee industry to keep you motivated at that level it, it's it's easy to get consumed by the business by being as as a business as such. So it's just you have to just come back to the coffee. Mm. You have to come back to the core cup, the cup profile. Get out to the roastery and just make that effort to be involved in the coffee itself. New things that are happening in coffee. Two weeks ago, I was off in Berlin at the World of Coffee. You know, there's geez, there's, there's enough in that to keep you looking and seeing what's going on in the world and um, we've got things lined up from that as well that we will be investigating um, fortunately with the world of coffee I think in any business if you become complacent you, you may as well just start to resign then and there you know you, you, you have to you have to force yourself to to move forward otherwise it, it, 
you, you'll fall behind, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the staff keep me in there as well, you know. What type of leader are you? You mentioned staff. How, how do you motivate others? Not a micromanager. Well, I... I, I am if if you work directly for me I can be I can be a bit of a taskmaster but in in regards to the staff at the roastery I really I I know that I'm best to leave them be and let them run themselves um, so long as there are no complaints from customers that things are done well now obviously we've got quality control but um, I I do like letting my staff run their own show. Um, so they come to work at hours that suit them. Um, I like giving them freedom, and geez, it's worked well. You know, I, I, there's a lot of trust, a lot of trust, and I think that when you give that to staff, it means so much. I think it really means. I, I've actually been a bit guilty of giving them too much freedom in the sense of like, I should have probably been there to support one or two of the members and, but different staff react differently some people will ask you for help yeah. uh, whereas others won't mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. it's really down to you knowing your staff and I I have staff who manage staff but I directly look after five five staff and with Jacob coming on it will be six and that's enough for me you know yeah. that's, that's that's enough for me to to really know them and to know the job and to manage what they do um, but I think it's important to give them freedom and trust. Two very good words, yeah. Um, last one then. If it wasn't coffee and the world of coffee that you're working, what what, what would it be? What, what else would you be doing? Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay as I, well. I think I'd quite happily be a, a house dad okay. and I'd let the wife go off. And and do her pursue her career in graphic design, I, I, I would I would probably probably do that. You know, okay. yeah, that's, um, that's yeah. I I really don't know to be honest. Okay. Well, that's you have sole focus on that. So sometimes I ask that question, and people are very quickly tell me what they would be doing differently. But um, it's good sometimes not to have a, a, a another a no answer. Yeah, a perfect no answer option. Yeah, brilliant. Brock, do you want to? Give a call out to how people can get get in touch with you or find out more about the coffee and yeah yeah I guess you know we, we are kind of behind the scenes as I was saying because we don't have a a, a shop front or cafe um, if you're in Cork the the best ways to experience us are at, at the farmers markets um, Douglas is our main one on a Saturday morning at Douglas Forecourt. Um, as I was also saying there Middleton Market on a Saturday Wilton Market on Tuesdays got a small pop-up in the photo wildlife park at the moment for the summer um, outside the tiger sanctuary um, but our website is our main our main uh, badger and dodo dot ie is our main uh, point of getting in touch with us yeah, and if uh, we, we we do the whole machine side of things we we really do bring in some of the most the, the best espresso machines in the country um we do it all from, you know, the, the, when it comes to opening cafes, beans, machines, baristas. So we, we address those three fronts, as well as you can go to the website. And, of course, you can buy a bag of freshly roasted coffee and have that shipped to you with the latest kind of brewing equipment as well. Cool. Brilliant. It was fascinating to hear your story. Thanks for doing it, Brock. Uh, 
I love coffee. I love hearing a bit more about it. Love learning that stuff as well. So thanks for doing it. I'm happy to share this out. Hopefully some folks jump on it and uh, you get massive business from the US, of course. That'd be nice. Thank you very much, Robert. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brock. Okay, mate. Thanks. Good luck. Hey guys, just before you go, I'd love to hear from you if anything specific stood out from that episode, something you might take away and try and implement in your own personal or professional life to help make you that little bit better. On the other side, is there anything you think I could do better to make the show even more enjoyable, more impactful and maybe meaningful? So drop me a note, rob at robofthegreen.ie or connect in on any of the social platforms at robofthegreen. We also have a community on Facebook. Check that out. If you're really enjoying the show, maybe you could try and leave a rating or a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts app, Go in there, give us a rating, let us know how we're doing. That'll help with the ranking of the podcast up those charts. The more folks that potentially see it because we're high up, the better. The more that might listen, that never heard of it before. And the goal of the show is to try and reach more and more people and have that impact more and more. So that's down to you. Please do help me with that. I'm not going down the route of hiring podcast promoters, quote unquote, from other parts of the world because they say they can help with the ranking and I don't really believe them or it's not very authentic. Help me do it in an authentic way. I really appreciate it. This year, I'm going more all in on Patreon. So it's three bucks a month. You can sign up, subscribe to Rob of the Green on Patreon.com. That will give you access to Patreon-only content. Nearly all the episodes of the 864 podcast are on there and new ones will be added only there. The 1% Better Show will have early releases there, but will still come out for free on robofthegreen.ie. There will also be live shows this year, some phone-in shows, extra content. Three euros a month will hopefully, the more folks that subscribe, allow me to do more and more stuff on there, add more and more content. At the end of the day, that's the price of a pair of socks, maybe, that you might lose, or a coffee. One way or the other, it's up to you. If you want to join, you'll still get free stuff otherwise but if you're enjoying what we're doing help us grow help us expand it i'd really appreciate that adding new stuff onto the website all the time there's an affiliates page under the be better drop down check in there there's training courses that you can sign up to more and more stuff will come in over time into season three now of this fun fun journey huge learning hopefully you're getting something from it too stick with it let's keep going enjoy the journey even more have a great day week weekend and thanks for checking it out good luck